Did You Have To is a proud member of the Bawaii podcast community. Welcome back to Did You Have To, the podcast where two bad bitches talk about anime. And here are your hosts, Kate and Nisha. Yeah! Nisha's quirk, stress ball. By internalizing her stress about the world being in chaos and crime, she converts that stress into a superpower, becoming a badass. Kate's quirk, waifu warrior. By just watching her favorite shows, she can manifest real or fictional characters into the real thing. They come to life and fight by her side. Not every character does it, though. She has to find the individual really hot. Yeah! Hey, everyone. We're back. And today the joke can end because I've seen The Promised Neverland. You're welcome, friend. Welcome to The Promised Neverland. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, just like picture me as the Elmo gif with like my arms open oh, and mess. <laughs> Cause I, sorry guys. Yeah. Yeah. If y'all are new to the show, this has been a running joke for God, how long Kate? Literally the length of the show. I think pretty much because the anime didn't come out much later than after we started our show. So mm-hmm. This has been an ongoing joke that it will Kate ever finish The Promised Neverland and I can no longer make this joke anymore until season two comes out and she puts it off for another year. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to be thankful for the little blessings that is our watch parties and getting, to, getting Kate to watch the anime that I've been wanting her to watch through them. So, oh yes. So, well, before we get into it, let's cover today in Weeb, because I just have so much I want to discuss about The Promise Neverland with you, finally. (laughs) So I'll try not to go off the rails. So what do you got for us in today in Weeb? So I got two things. I got one anime and one manga. This is outside. This is like my fun anime and my fun manga, because I, I mean, if you're following along with But Why Though, you know that me and Nisha have just been manga fiends when it comes to reviewing, and we have been reviewing a lot. Um, But outside of that, I've been reading a lot of Jose, because I love Jose. Um, Now, one of my more tamed readings. (laughs) um, (laughs) Tamed. Because I like them steamy. Uh, was a book, uh, was a volume from Kodansha Comics. It's in volume one. It came out in March. It's called Something's Wrong With Us. Um, and this is a really good, it's a romance, but it's like a murder mystery at the same time. So essentially the girl, uh, is the daughter of a chef or of a pastry Mm -hmm. chef, a traditional Japanese pastry, pastry chef. And so she's lower class. They go to live in this, uh, I think it's like a hotel type thing where they do weddings and all this Mm -hmm. stuff to a really prestigious family. And she ends up kind of getting a crush on the little boy there. But then the boy's dad dies and the little boy points to her mom as the person who committed the murder. And so then it jumps to where they're adults and she decides to come back and hide who she is in order to get revenge for what's happening. And along the way, they kind of almost get married or kind of get married. So it's good. It's twisted. I'm down. It's gonna be fun. And I'm really excited. I think I actually think you'd really like it. Yes. Um, and it the food is so beautiful in this because it's all just traditional Japanese pastries and it looks delicious. It's like food wars level, (laughs) like food illustration. So I, I really like this one. Um, 
anybody from Kodansha Comics, if you're listening, yes, send send anime or send manga our way. We'll we'll take care yes. of it. Yes, yes, we will. You can trust us. We do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and we tweet about it and we talk about it a lot. Yep. Um, but yeah, so that's that's my manga. And then for my anime, I finally got around to watching Recovery of an MMO Junkie. Mm. And holy crap, it's the same level of Watakoi for me when it comes to, like, um, relationship and love. But it's very different. So it's a romance, but essentially it's told from the perspective of two game Otaku mm. who are just really, really into the game. But they end up bumping into each other without knowing that they're actually playing with each other in the game. What? Because she's playing as a guy and he's playing as a girl. <gasps> and so, like, the first few episodes, it ends up finding out that, like, all the main people are actually playing together. They just don't know each other. And so it turns into this thing of, like, a, oh, do I tell him the truth? Mm-hmm. And then he finds out that she's actually the guy that, that he's playing with, and he's like, oh, God, I have so much information. What do I do? And it's adorable, oh, and I love it. I'm down. So, uh, yeah, it's good. Oh, I'm down. I love it a lot. Uh, and that one is on Crunchyroll, and they have it dubbed in, like, seven different languages. Ooh. So, like, you can watch it in anything that you want. Uh, you want Because I stumbled onto it because I just wanted to watch something dubbed, and I, I wasn't interested in anything mm-hmm. else. And so I was like, oh, man, this was this has been on my list for a while. I'll watch it. And it it was good. Nice. It was really, really good. I'm down because I've been so, missing Walter Coy. I've been missing it so, so much. I need something to replace it. Yeah. Um, you got to get that nerdy romance. I do. I miss it. And it makes me feel seen. And it's just like goals. So <laughs> it's what I need. Yes. Um, but, oh, before I get started into my day and weep, I almost forgot. We have huge anime news and manga news. The Inuyasha sequel. Oh, God, yes! How the hell did I forget about that? I just, like... <laughs> because every, every weeb on the internet wants to know who fucks a Shomaru. What are your yes, suspicions? Me. Could it have been me? <laughs> it's not um, you, Kate. <laughs> I wish it was. I know you do. I know. I need a body pillow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Matt's fine. He knows he knows what Matt accepts you for who you are. That's what's important, but he knows that body pillow is gonna be in between. <laughs> he just walks out of the room when he sees my weeds. Oh, that's so cute. Uh I don't know. Like I genuinely don't know who it could be. Kagura's dead. Like, I'm sorry, I, I Kagura's dead. Yeah. She's dead, so it's not Kagura, even though everybody it shipped them. Everyone shipped them together and I still just like I don't know, man. So then that leaves us with no. the one option, which I still have very conflicting feelings on, which is Ren grew up and she okay. and she's so- his mate. And I'm not like if she grew up and she consented, I feel like there's a difference. But it's also just like, oh, God, I don't know. No, because then you end up in a bunny drop. Situation. Yes, bunny drop is worse. It's literally... Because it's literally a dad who raised them as a child, and it, it's Woody Allen shit. Yeah, dad, it. it's so dad. I really hope it's not Rin, but the daughter that they that it looks like is his looks like freaking. It looks Rin, like Rin. It looks like, like Rin. And it's if a half, she's mean. And it's a half human, exactly. And it's a half human kid. Both of it's going to be Rin or the daughters from Sashomaru and Yasha are half human. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so either Songo said, fuck you, Moroku. Now you know. And I'm like, when, 
Now you know. No. Sango has triplets. So whatever like I know like the ending of final act, but we know it's not Sangu. Oh, I miss Final Act. I do too. It's so good. God. Final Act was such a beautiful. You know what? We gotta. Like, we're gonna have an Inuyasha episode. I'm gonna. We have I'm, gonna I'm writing it down now. I actually have a notebook now, y'all. We will actually take notes <laughs> and remember our suggestions. But we're gonna do an Inuyasha episode in honor of this news, so we can talk about this shit. Um, but sorry. Yeah. No, I just. Um, I don't. Who? So. Do you really think it's? Ren? I really feel like it's Ren, unless he met a human, another human woman that he would ever tolerate, because he hates people. You know, it could. He does. He hates humans, but I will say he earned some respect for, like, towards Kagome, at the end of the series. Yes. So it could be one of those. It was like, oh, my brother loved this woman, and she's actually kind of cool. Okay, maybe. I mean, I'll- it- fan fiction they write that they write that kind of stuff all the time where he meets a human woman that he's that he can tolerate and learns to love but i feel they also write a lot of rin yes (laughs) that is it's usually rin i i feel a way about it but it's also just like because inuyasha we know like takes point place in the feudal era and as and again i don't condone pedophilia but i also we have to remember that rin is what 10 years old so technically, she yeah. would have been married off at twelve, anyways. So, but then, and but also, like, if we're assuming that she does it, like, that she gets with Sashomaru when she becomes like a woman yes. and is older, right? Then that's a choice, but it's also just weird because, and I guess we the, see the him as a father figure. Seen, yeah, he he's her father figure. The main thing that I've seen from people is that Sashomaru never saw Rin as a daughter. And I was like, what series did you watch? That man held her that as a child. Kid. Yeah. He protected her. So Call it what you want. I, I don't know. This is just like the Jake was... I mean, I never watched The Lick of Twilight except for like a little bit. But it's... What is it? Is it Jacob and Bella's daughter? Is it that argument? I don't know. I don't... They never got together, man. I don't know, man. It's the imprint thing. See, I need to talk to my sister. She watched Twilight. Oh, that okay. I like they were bonded. Yes, 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 yes. Like yes. they're they're yes, right. They're bonded, they're, yeah. they're bonded, but I they're thought, not romantic. You said you said Jacob and Bella's daughter, and I thought you were talking Jacob and Bella. Oh daughter. no, I was like, no, that's my bad, happen, ma'am. See, I told you I don't watch this. Yes, I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, Her name is Renesme, and she was ugly as. <laughs> I didn't watch. She was an animatronic doll. It was terrible. I didn't watch a lick of that movie, any of those movies, except for like. I watched all of it. I worked at Hot Topic when those things were coming out. I bought the Volturi makeup set. Oh, bless your heart. I was trash. Yeah, you were. I mean, I watched all of Hunger Games, <laughs> so we're both trash together. <laughs> that's like, but that's like that's not even near the level. That's, that's true. Like, that's not vampire trash. I mean, like Twilight is vampire what's, trash. The fact that I'm gonna pick up Midnight Sun is the fact that I'm vampire trash. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because I like vampires, but I don't like vampire trash. Oh, I'm vampire trash all the time. I way. know you are. And I still love you for it. But sorry, we could, we went from in you Asha to vampires. But the point is, this is big we have a vampire news. night episode. <laughs> yes, we can. But I, I'm mainly gonna be looking at you like, what the fuck are we watching, Kate? <laughs> I know. Because after an amazing first season, you go into Vampire Night Guilty, and it's like, oh, incest again. And I'm like, oh, well, thanks, anime. Thanks so much. Thanks. thanks. Anime's gonna anime. Um, but, yeah, so that's a big news. 
I feel like the biggest news because again like I feel like some people have their feelings about like oh but Inuyasha was a perfect series and why do they have to continue the story I'm like listen we're getting we're getting a sequel and they're they're daughters I'm excited I'm thrilled I can't wait like we get to see like the the main lead will be focused on the girls and no offense but I think that's kind of dope because like even though Kagome was the hair was the heroine in it I think it's cool that like the titular character will be in Yuasha's daughter. Kagome was a dumbass. Yes, that too. She was not the I heroine I wanted. Kagome, but she was a dumbass. She was not the heroine that I wanted. It was Inuyasha! Kikyo! Inuyasha! Kikyo! Kagome! Okay, I guess, <laughs> guess I'll call Kagome's name now. Uh, like, the Inuyasha-Kagome relationship was a lesson to all of us of, like, what not to be like. not How not to be. <laughs> so, I don't know how old you were when you watched Inuyasha, but that was like a, oh, love goes through everything. I can stay with this guy if he's looking at this other person. He's going to come back to yes, me. Yes, Kate. I was. I was that. <laughs> I was stupid. It, did, it didn't teach me. It didn't teach me anything. It taught me the wrong things about It love. taught Yes, exactly. And then I realized Luckily, this I was wrong. Luckily, I grew up and I was better, but it's fine. Right. Exactly. But we have become wiser. But I'm still excited to see what Kagome and Yuash look like as parents. Uh, oh, hell yeah. I'm, I'm really excited. I've I've read enough doujin to be prepared for this moment. <laughs> oh, that's another reminder. We need a doujin chi episode. Um, we do. Oh, God. That'd be so good. Okay, sorry. And as for me, for my today and weave sections, um, so for my manga, I went ahead. So like Kate's been talking about, we have, we've been reading a lot of manga. This one is actually a review that's coming up on the website. So it's called The Promised Neverland. Shocker. <laughs> Um, <laughs> see how well this all fit together. So yeah, Promised Neverland Volume Fifteen. Again, I'm not gonna go too much into it because then that will spoil a lot of it for all of y'all. But it's children being raised in orphanages, and they think they're in loving homes, and then it flips them on their heads, and they're actually just sheep for the slaughter to be fed to demons. Go read it. The smile, the smile on Nisha's face when she describes the death of the children is is. It's just, and it's not like I take joy in their children dying. It's just like you have this beautiful illustrations and like these like, oh, they're just cute children. Like they're like happy, go lucky. But it's the juxtaposition of it being so dark and twisted on the other side that they're being raised to be demon food. And I just, I love that those two things together. Is after completely watching that first season. I think the smiles will warrant warrant it. It's an extremely well executed twist that happens early on and keeps twisting as it mm-hmm. goes. So, yeah, it's good. It's just like, and then they get eaten by demons because mm-hmm. it gets you. Because you really are just like, oh, it's just so good, and everyone's happy. And then the last five minutes, you're just like, there's demons. Why are there demons? Find out. Um, but yeah, so it's hard. it it does. It really does. Um, And then the other thing for me for anime, so since I have all this extra time and I'm at home, I've been watching One Piece. I picked back up where I left off, and I'm proud to say I am in episode, I am in the 220s. So, I've made progress. That's a lot of progress. Mm Mm-hmm. If you... How many episodes are there now? There is 900 and something. (laughs) (laughs) 
so we'll see how much longer quarantine goes on and maybe maybe the new bet is will i finish it before quarantine so oh yeah i think i'd rather so current oh go ahead there are 929 episodes currently so i'm like 700 episodes behind yeah you'll get there though you don't have quarantine yeah yeah completely who knows i might be working from home for the rest of the year (laughs) <laughs> just we'll find out um but yeah so i've been re- i've been watching that and it's just so good and then like i also just i reviewed and read like the light novel for ace's story for the website and that was so good because like now i'm an ace stand and a zoro friend and stand so i get it i mean i'm i'm really just here for those two men in this series and i know what happens to ace so no one has to tell me but the point is I just really, really, really like One Piece, and I'm trying to stick with it, even though I just feel, I don't want to get to, like, anime fatigue, where, like, you know you love it, but you just don't, you get tired of watching it. So, I was trying to do a Bleach rewatch, and I made it to episode 213. I started at 69, and I made it to 213, and then I was like, Ugh, I love you, Grimjaw, but I can't keep with this. I gotta, I gotta step back. Yep. Mainly because I, I don't know if it was because I was younger when I when I watched it, but like watching it now, every hot tall man that comes in is Ichigo with different colored hair. Yes, he is. That's all it is. Any person. Same personality. Same personality, pretty much. <laughs> Oh, God. But no, that's where I think I really left off the last... Nope, the fight with Aizen. Aizen was when I left off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, But I know what happened because of the manga, and I think I'm just... It's ruined for me. It's completely ruined for me because we know what happens at the end. But we're not going to get into that. Yeah. This is not a Bleach episode. This is not a Bleach episode. We will do that at another time. (laughs) Um, But anyways, you ready to talk about children being demon food? I wanted to say demon babies, but they're the most precious babies. I mean. Who just so happen to be eaten by demons. Yeah. This is true. <laughs> My little baby Ray. Oh, yeah. Your 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 other adopted anime child. Um, yes. But, yes, let's get into it. And I say that as I have to pull it up again because my phone. Okay. Okay. The Promised Neverland follows three protagonists, Emma, Norman, and Ray, along with a cast of orphans who live together. Their lives have been full of joy. That is until the protagonists learn the orphanage is really a farm where children are raised and given to demons to be eaten. And that is the synopsis. Yep. So. I'm, That's it. I mean, I feel like I've said the synopsis from a hard many, many times on this show. But yes. even when you read it, you're just like, what? <laughs> how um so yeah so we recently watched this with uh, like for a watch party with the Bawaii community and I'm just like very eager to ask you this question Kate so how much did this I don't know affect you <laughs> why <laughs> like it... so I would say <coughs> because I watched it all in one go it didn't affect me that much like affect me as in like I kept thinking about it and thinking about mm-hmm. it but this is a show where I'm like, had I watched this week to week, 
I would have been losing my absolute shit. Yep. Because almost every episode ends on like a cliffhanger. Yes. And it like twists your emotions into a knot. And then you're just like, okay, 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 this is going to work. And then awesome ending title sequence. And I'm just like, crap. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I do think just over the course of watching it because of what they do with the characters, and I think specifically Ray for me, because uh, I like angry uh, angry anime boys. That's, that's just what I like. I will protect them and I will fight for yep. them. Um, also why I liked Inuyasha. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's why we all liked Inuyasha. But, <laughs> um, oh, and Koga. But, um, <laughs> but I think that there was something about it where it did a really good job of building the emotion throughout the season mm-hmm. that when that last part happens, you feel every piece of it from them trying to, and I guess this is what you should just say, we're going into spoilers. Now yeah. This is an episode about the promised Neverland, so there will be spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, from that, that last, that last two episodes specifically, where you think they're, you don't think they're going to be able to make it, and Ray is about to be shipped out, and Ray doesn't know, and it just it it keeps making you think that your characters are going to die, yeah, consistently over and over and over again because they just shipped out Norman. Mm-hmm. In my mind, he's alive. I don't. I want him. I need my little old man to be alive, but I I don't know. If you um, read the manga, you'll find out. Oh my god, Nisha, don't don't put that on me. <laughs> don't put that on me. Um but I don't know, like I mean you could just ask me and I could tell you. I was with it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, is is he alive? You want me to really tell you? Yes. He's alive. Yay! <laughs> okay. So I thought he was because we saw gruesome deaths, but we didn't see his death. And we saw a whole dead child in the first episode. Yeah. So it was weird to not see him. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Exactly. <sighs> My heart feels better now. Good. Um, <laughs> but I think overall, like, I would say that, like, it didn't necessarily affect me and that, like, it carried it with me every day. Mm-hmm. But I know if I had watched it week by week, it's all I would think about. And I would have ran to the anime or to the manga to try and figure out what was going to happen. Right. And I think, because, like, when I I came into this, like, with the manga, like, early on when the manga first came out. So, not, like, when it was, like, first published, I was reading it, but more, like, I read the first 20 chapters, and then I had to wait each week for the next one to come out. So, like, for people who don't watch it in one go, I don't know how y'all do it, because it is very anxious when you're reading it, like... Are they going to make it? Because yeah. like Kate said, like it's just like Attack on Titan. Don't get close to anybody because they might die. No one is safe. Yeah. And it's just what really got me into it is that they treat the children like children. Like this isn't this isn't like Hunter x Hunter or Dragon Ball Z where the children have some kind of secret power and they can combat against their caretakers these are children who have been raised by this woman since their birth and they call her mama and they see her as their mother so they like 
there's that part of it that's very twisted where the dynamic is like you are a child you just learned that your parent the person that you trusted with your whole entire life and your family's safety and everything who's cared for you and loved you is actually raising you to be killed and, and eaten by demons and I think that's like the first thing like damn what is going through these kids heads and it's like it's very real when like you hear Emma scream and be traumatic for the first two days after she finds out and she's trying to be normal and I'm just like she's a child this is not normal she can't fake it like she can't act like none of this yeah. is normal because she looks at her mother now and she sees a murderer who's killed dozens of her brothers and sisters who like when they get shipped off because the thing is when they say they get adopted and they went to a new family every child was killed so it's like yeah. there's so many different dynamics in it but like, I like that they keep them as children like, no, they are very smart children. They have very high IQs. But the way they react to this is, like, we'll have to outsmart mom and we'll have to get away. But, like, yeah. they don't have a secret weapon or power to, like, fight the demons and fight their mom. Like. And I think that that's one of the things that I really like about it, too, because it bugs me when I see... Um, it bugs me when I see kids fighting full-on adults and, like, just winning or, like, having something to get over them because mm -hmm. uh, I think you're completely right that, like, I, the one of the best, the, the best thing about The Promised Neverland is that they are children. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that they are completely helpless in this situation and the power of the story is you're, you're drawn to these characters emotionally knowing that every single odd is against him right every single one of them no matter what and it and it and it shows you when they're being chased down by adults who are who are stronger who are faster than them it they show mm -hmm. you when mama breaks emma's leg oh like there there are so many moments where you as as a viewer you're just pushed down mm -hmm. watching these kids that you're rooting for to get out and it makes you question up until the last minute, are they actually going to escape? Are they actually going to survive? Right. And it's extremely good storytelling. Oh, yeah. Because they they are weak. They're strong and they're smart, but they're weak, too. Right. And that's something that, or physically weak. And mm -hmm. I think that that's something that definitely sets them apart. Right. And at the end of the day, that's the thing. It's like when you when they are put up against an adult, you're reminded very quickly yeah. that, you are a 12-year-old child. I can snap your bone like a twig. Like, I can ca I can run faster than you, and I'm stronger than you. And you see that, and then that's, like, it's the challenge, and that's the thing about this show and, like, the manga that, that makes it so good is that the challenge is that these are children facing very dangerous situations, but they have to use their resources and their skills, and they have to, it's like cat and mouse. They have to do the things that they can do with the resources they have and not get caught. But at the same time, it's not like they can't fight off mom. Like when Ray was trying to hold her back from going to stop Emma and Norman. That hurt my heart so much. Like Don is the strongest one and he wouldn't have been able to do anything. Because at the end of the day, mom is trained to take them kids down. Well, and I think the other thing that's also really interesting is you do have these moments of really big 
over overcoming these obstacles with their intelligence. Mm-hmm. But then you have moments where it's like, oh, wow, I thought I was outsmarting Mama, but no, Mama actually knew the whole time. Yeah. And that's another, like, there's always doubt as to whether or not they're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, it's a heartbreaking but beautiful way to tell the story. I think so. I really, I really think that's, like, the best way to put it. Because, like, the first season and, like, the first chunk of the manga is like it is them going up against mama it is them facing off against her and trying to outsmart her and trying to figure out how to break out of like the orphanage and escape and now this is like i'm getting a little ahead of myself but i feel like it has to be said it there are a lot of like it's kind of parallel with attack on titan because the world that is presented to us is the world we assume they live in so yeah. We, it's like one of those things where like, you first assume, it's like a circle, like first you assume they just, they're, they're in an orphanage. That's it. They, they live in an orphanage. Then you assume, then you are introduced to demons. No one questions yeah. how are their demons. No one questions yeah. how are their demons and why are their demons and how are the demons here? So... Now, okay, again, spoiler. Do you care about this spoiler? No. You say no? I'm going to watch it anyway. Huh? So just, just spoil Okay. It. I think that it's fine to just spoil. Okay. Because we've given the spoiler warning, and for me, I'm going to watch the seasons no matter what. Awesome, because this makes it so much easier to make my point. So just like in Attack on Titan, <laughs> when they live inside the walls... And then they get outside the walls and then they find out they've been on an island the entire time. And then they, so like now that they're the world that was, pre, that was presented to us, we assume that is just their world and it's not. The world is much bigger. With the promised Neverland, very similar because my point is no one asks, how are their demons? It's because they're in a demon world. They're not in the human world. They are in the demon world. And the human world and the that demon is, world are separate. That's fucking crazy. Yup. That's real crazy, actually. Mm-hmm. But it makes a it makes for great storytelling because again, we just assume what we see. It's not like one of those anime worlds where the ki- the kids are only given the information they know. So we are just like the children. We assume the world that they exist in is through the eyes that the children know. Like so they yeah. maybe they assume that there are other humans. They don't know what demons are. They've never thought about demons. But then it's like once they learn about the demons, they realize, oh there's demons. And it isn't until like later on they realize, why aren't there other humans? Like have have we ever seen another human besides Mama? Until like Sister Crone comes, and then they see, like, we've never seen another human besides her. So, yeah, it's, like, an opportunity, and I can't remember, maybe Sister Crone didn't say it or not when she was telling the kids, because she didn't care, she told them kids the truth, but I might be misremembering it, but it's not too far off from where this season ends when they figure out that they're in the demon world. So, it might have been in the, maybe they made a little change in the anime, but I'm pretty sure Sister Crone tells them, like, we're in the demon world. Or like, well, actually, okay, we're not going to get into it. But anyways, that's my point. <laughs> it's great storytelling, and I love how it's crafted because I I don't know. It's like The Good Place. Like, I really enjoy The Good Place because you are just given the information that the characters are given, and then the story just keeps evolving yeah. and expanding. And I think that that's just a really good 
it's a really good method of storytelling because there's something that happens when you drop a viewer or a reader into a thing and they have like and they can see the whole plane mm-hmm. right? so like they know everything that's coming they understand it they understand the world right and so when you put somebody at just a disadvantage of what the kids are at or what the main characters are at of like you only know their knowledge mm-hmm. it allows for storytelling where you can surprise people and it's not like cheaply won right it's good um yeah. No, I agree. And I think that's what they do really, really well. Like, I'm just excited to see, like, what happens in the anime. Because there's, there's a number of ways they could go with the story arc and how fast they want it to go for season two. We know that it's delayed due to COVID-19. But the point is, yeah. y'all go watch season one because it's available now. And I wish the dub was easily available because I feel like more people will go watch the yeah. dub. But it's I cannot figure out where it's... that's at. Yeah, and it's available on um, Hulu, Hulu, Crunchy, and Funimation, and mm-hmm. then I think they still show it on uh, Adult Swim. Yep, there it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, but let's get into some. So, like, I think that we've kind of given people like a good idea of like the premise and like different like the story and the plot and all of that. So now we can get into some things like. The characters. So, do you have any specific characters that you love more than anything in the world? Ray. Yes. <laughs> Ray. My little angry, smart, smart-ass boy. Yes. He's my child, and I will protect him from this world. Yes. <laughs> um, and I like Ray because I feel like in a lot of ways, and and I wouldn't be this character because I think I'm too emotional, but I, I feel in a lot of ways. I, and maybe, you know what? Maybe I protect characters like Bakugo and Rei and like these like little angry boys for the same reason that I really love Matt. Mm-hmm. Because they're, they're characters who try to know everything and try to think of every angle. And mm-hmm. when they get crushed, you can't help but feel for yeah. them. And, and you learn that the reason they're like that, the reason he's a smartass, the reason that he's uh, essentially a double agent or whatever is because he cares about the people mm-hmm. he's with. And he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't show it in necessarily the same way as others. Right. Do, but he does. And it makes it really powerful, in my opinion. I agree. I mean, and I think the, and again, spoilers, because this is our show and we talk whatever we want to, but... The thing that made me love Ray the most is just like the realization is that he has known about the demons since he was a baby. Like, and when you realize he's had to live with a burden and like, it, it makes perfect sense why Ray is like more cynical than all the other children. He's not just like this quiet loner for a reason. He's just like, I'm, he like it inwardly he is in this turmoil and i just i it's just like it's so sad when you kind of like pull back his layers of just like he everything he's done he's done to protect his friends and his family like and it's like you like you said like he did these things because he cares but it's also like people will look at him as like you knew you're the villain like you helped mama but she he's like i everything i did i did to save you and it's like, yeah. 
oh it's just like that's like one of the heavy it hurts. It's, it hurts so much and it's heavy and that reveal when you find out that he is mama's baby like biological baby who it's a lot and i think that there's also one of the things I really like about The Promised Neverland, and I think it's probably the part that I identify the most with it as well, is just the fact that not every kid gets to have a childhood. Yeah. And you look at the way they all kind of deal with these issues, deal with these things, and they deal with them very differently. And there are some... There are some of the kids who are protected from everything. Mm-hmm. And then there are some who are too smart to know how bad, to, to, are too smart to ignore how bad things yep. are. And that's one of the things. And I guess it reminds me a lot of like me and my brother, because my brother never really understood that my parents were poor. My brother mm-hmm. never really thought about any of that stuff. And he was kind of really guarded from it. Mm-hmm. And for me, I knew what I I noticed all the bad things. I yeah. noticed all the things that we that my family was struggling with, and it, it was one of those things where like when you're the older kid or when you're the one who knows and you see somebody who doesn't, you do everything you can to keep them like in that bubble right. of letting them be okay. And I think that that just creates a really good dynamic, and then once more kids begin to find out you get to see the different types of like uh coping strategies that they all use to understand what's happening right um which is i think really interesting because it's really easy to write kids as kids and they all kind of seem one note but every single one of the characters in promise neverland have their own unique identities Mm -hmm. and have their own unique ways of dealing with the situation at hand right i agree and i think it's like because like i like what you said about you have the kids who are too smart to ignore the problem or like they're they're very aware of the problem and the reality Mm -hmm. of it whereas like you have the ones who are just like not aware at all they think everything's fine or they don't they don't want to believe it where it's just like no it's true but then it's like i feel like emma is very much in the middle um of norman and ray where like norman of course is like he's very i was just like when i when still to this day i'm just very surprised that norman didn't realize it sooner like i am too and i don't know if it's just because like yeah i guess they they've done this for years they they know how to like hide it from the children but ray ray is the only reason they found out like if it hadn't been for ray when ray was ready for them to know that is the only reason they found out. So it's just like this very interesting thing where Norman knowing what he knows and being as and he's being, and he is the, the smartest child there. He, he's going, he's, his coping thing is just like, I'm going to help Emma, but it's just like, Norman's going through his own shit. Um, whereas like Emma's just yeah. like, we just have to save everybody. She's like her first reaction is like, we have to save everyone, but we can't tell them what's happening. Whereas, like, Norman and Ray's thing is, like, we can probably take five of us, and then we gotta leave. And I think it's just, like, I love all of them so much, but it's, like, I get it. Like, Emma's first thought is to save her entire family, but Norman and Ray are just, like, thinking, we can't do that logically. 
if we want to survive and save ourselves, we have to get out of here and that, and we're putting the other ones in danger if we don't do that. So it's just like, it's just really, it's so good. Like, like you said, like that each child is, is an individual. They're not like a, 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 was it a hive mind or whatever when it comes to like to reacting to this stuff. Um, and I think like, that's, I mean, I love Emma. I see a lot of myself and Emma where like my first thought is like to save others. Like, like the way she's like when they were playing tag and they were practicing to teach the kids how to run away and Emma's thought is like I gotta grab the babies and I'm gonna carry them and I'm gonna run with the yeah. babies and she's just like I don't care if yeah. I get caught but as long as they don't get caught and I was like dang like her thought her way of coping is to save people Norman's way is definitely to save them like to save her and save others but like Ray and Norman know the reality save who he can Right. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's like if when I think about it, like in terms of how they all addressed it, mm-hmm. Emma was we're gonna save everybody no matter what. Yep. Norman was we're gonna save who we can. Mm-hmm. And Ray was like, "Not nah, we just need to save us. Three. Yes, that's all we need. Ray, we're family, let's go." <laughs> Ray wasn't even willing, like Don and, Gl- and Gilda were lucky they got brought into the fold because Ray would have been like. Oh, yeah. Like, we don't need them. Especially Dom's ass. Don is just very strong. I mean, he ha- he's more, like, likable in the in the manga. But, like, Don gets on your nerves at first because he's just, like, being loud and brash and, like, effing up things. Yeah. And, like, when he-, when he convinces Gilda to go sneak into Mama's office, I'm just like, you are going to get all of you killed. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. But, uh... The children. I just love them so much. Um, speaking of one more child I want to talk about before like we moved on, because I have a lot to unpack with Mama and Sister Crone. But let's talk about Phil, our little angel. Oh, sweet baby. Sweet little baby. And I know you're mad. <laughs> Are you still mad? No. Yeah, you are. I know you are. It's fine. I was too initially. Um, and I mean, okay, so so y'all know, again, spoilers. Um, what happens to Phil, Phil is like one of the youngest ones there. He's four years old. He loves Emma and Ray and Norman. He's very attached to them. Um, Phil, however, is very also very smart. And unfortunately, it's like a vicious cycle where Phil is doomed to repeat Ray's fate. Um, in a way where yeah. he's made aware when they are about to leave and they're planning to leave, they know that Emma finally comes to her senses and realizes we cannot take everyone. We can't carry five babies. We don't know what the climate is outside of the walls. We don't know if we'll have enough food and it'll be harder also, to take the small ones. how do you put a ones. baby on a zip line? Say what? How do you put a baby on a zip line? I don't know. I was assuming they were going to strap them things onto their backs. But even, <laughs> but even then, have you ever carried like a, tw- uh, I mean, a baby, 20 pounds is heavy for a baby, but like, I don't know, 10 pounds on your back and like running, like. And then they're like, sm- then they're children doing this. It's not like it's a, a, a person. Right. Oh yeah. That's the other thing. The ages. Children are person. Right. Children are people. But- <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's the thing. Like the ages range from like six months to newborns to 12 like you got all the little ones in between and i think that maybe that's like a by design that the farm has like a lot of infant age children because they know 
Yeah. You can't take all of them with you. Like, it's, like I think they show the nursery, and they're like, there's eight beds in there with babies in them. And then you also have the toddlers. Yeah. So, I'm like, have you ever tried to get a toddler to, to listen and, like, give instructions and they go do something? They don't do that. <laughs> it's just... Yeah. yeah. So, like, Emma realizes she obviously cannot save everyone, but she can save the ones that, like, are, would be prepared and, like, be able to do stuff on their own. Um, but they know they have to leave somebody behind as their own spy, like, who's aware of everything. And they choose Phil. Because, again, Phil is, I guess, like, the next the smartest, smartest one. smartest of the babies. The smartest of the babies, and he's just four years old. And it's like, he then, like, when he says, I knew it, and I was just like, what? And it's just, it's so sad because it just makes me feel like, it makes me see Ray all over again. Like, Phil's stuck there and he has to live with this knowledge of knowing every time one of his family members get adopted, they're actually going to die. Yeah. And that just breaks my heart. <laughs> it's just so much to have to carry. Mm-hmm lots and lots of stress even if, so i don't know you might you probably will never go read the manga but it's fine but they even dedicate an entire chapter to phil to how phil is doing after they leave and they ch- and like yeah. you the when i say the artist i mean the illustrator drew anxiety on his face i just weeped because oh. he's just like he's laying in his bed and just like terrified that like what if they decide to shit me out and I was just like, wow, that just really hit me in my guts. Oh, but yeah, so that's a snapshot of the children. <laughs> um, so we're, I know we're going a little bit longer than we had planned, so I'm just going to kind of like, we could talk about Sister Crone and Mama and then the live action a little bit, because I feel like that'll, that'll yeah. segue us in there. So Sister Crone, uh, well, first off, Mama is what they call, her name is also Isabella she is the mother of the house of the orphanage and like all the kids address her as mama and she's raised every single child there from when they were born to when they are shipped out and i don't know about you but it still freaks me out how cold she can be just like switching from loving to cold like a sociopath or psychopath whichever one (laughs) uh psych no sociopath sociopath would be would be detached from feelings because mm-hmm. it's just she does it really well and i mean she snapped emma's leg with no she problem does. she snapped emma's leg and then smiled yep like it was it, it that out of anything out of anything that happens that entire series i actually think mama breaking emma's leg is the scariest part Mm-hmm. because you see the ease with which she can do this and it's it it lets you know that the stakes it lets you know how high the stakes are mm-hmm. and that i don't i think for me it was also the point where i realized that mama is doing it with this kind of force because she's also trying to save herself in some way yep that's it and that's where it gets interesting mm-hmm that's literally it, and it's just because, again, this isn't too much of a spoiler, but, like, you come, you realize that Mama was a child also. Like, she grew up on the farm. On, we don't know what farm, but, like, we know, like, she grew up on a farm, too. 
So she has a tattoo. Every child has a tattoo on their neck, which again, odd that none of the children noticed the tattoos on their neck and questioned that. Yeah. But (laughs) that's a glaring thing. But anyways, um, she has that tattoo. So she was a child and it's just like, instead of being shipped off to become food, she was given the choice to become a mama of a household, which even then she had to go through a, a rigorous training and it was very competitive and I think it's just like the, that's how the demons are able to control the humans so well. They know yeah. that they the humans like they've trained them to operate off of their best interest, like their personal interest at heart versus yeah. the thing that saves the children is that they depend on each other, not just themselves. So when they, they there's their strength in numbers versus the demons knowing that if they pit the, the humans against each other then the demons assume that the humans will always choose themselves. Whereas, like, you have the children who I think are, you know, innocent, who are willing to do, like, help one another and sacrifice themselves for one another. And that's what, that's the defining factor. Um, But going off from Mama, then we have Sister Crone, who's introduced to the household. And with that, I have very mixed feelings. And I'm just going to... Okay, so Sister Crow is a black woman. Go, go into yep. it. I'm going to go into it because I've been wanting to go into it for a while. Um, Sister Crow is a black woman. She comes to the house. First and foremost, when they design her, I need them to make up their mind of what she's going to look like. Because she's slender. Then she's broad. Then she's slender. And then she's bigger than Mama. But then she's also... But she's actually smaller than Mama. And then they do this thing... Where whenever Sister Crone is being sinister, they draw her with very stereotypical, uh, I forgot the word for it, but like um, ragtime, like stereotypical ragtime features. Yeah. And it's racist. It's real racist because like, it's just like her lips will be like normal size and then her lips will take up her entire face. But when mama's being sinister mama's face doesn't like her features don't change so it's not like done to both of them like as a villainly thing it's just like you are making this black woman be bigger and more threatening so you draw her you draw when she's being threatening you draw you draw her as bigger and more threatening and again yeah i love this manga i love this anime i really appreciate it but i should be i'm able to critique it on this because it's really fucked up because they do it in the manga and the anime and I just feel like, uh, it's so frustrating. Because up until yeah, then, it's good. It, and it, well, I mean, and it really stands out because you have, like, Sister Crone and Mama, consist, they, they are essentially playing the same type of character Ooh. in these kids' lives. And so I think it stands out so much. Because like you said, Mama gets to be, like, Mama looks menacing because she looks calm the mm-hmm. whole time. Mama looks menacing because she keeps that, like softness like demure and when they exactly and then when they bring in sister crone it's like okay we're gonna distort her we're gonna use every caricature that that comes from racist uh racist things Mm -hmm. to paint her as awfully as we can and i'm like you can be nuanced with the villain because you're doing it with mama you don't have to consistently do this with right um and I agree, and there's really no way around it. Like, and I think that that's one of the things uh, that, and you know, 
I experience differently because I'm not a black woman who loves anime, but I, I am a brown woman who loves anime. And so it's one of those things where it's like whenever there's a black or brown character on screen, it's like, okay, what can we exaggerate right. about them? What can we do to show how out of place they are in this setting? And it's and it all stems from colorism, but specifically the anti-blackness that happens mm-hmm. in Japanese culture. And it, I mean, hell, I just get forgotten. They actually draw racist things. Um, like any any black character, most of the time ends up being drawn that way, and it's really frustrating. I was saying that, like, overall, like, this really high, like, all of this stems from, like, anti-blackness in Japanese culture, and and there's anti-blackness all around the world in the way that 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 black characters are portrayed, and even, even just, I mean, because when you you break it down, and you break down the way, like, brown skin characters are portrayed, whether or Mm -hmm. not they're coded as black, a lot of the times they still rely on those anti-black stereotypes, and, and, and ways of drawing or illustrating to bring that home and Mm -hmm. it's frustrating because it's like anytime there's a darker skinned character in anime it's just like oh how are they gonna draw their lips yeah oh what are they gonna do to make them like out like what are they gonna do to make them stand out even more than everybody else and it's funny because i always think about how differently yoroichi and chad are drawn Mm. from each other in um in bleach i love chad with all my heart right but he's there's a lot to him that is i don't want to say problematic because it's definitely the least problematic thing especially with how bad sister crone is yeah but i get you like he didn't need to be drawn that way a lot of the times Mm -hmm. um and it just i don't know it's frustrating and it was one of those things where i went in and i was like okay, how bad is this going to be? And from the moment they show Sister Crone getting into it with Mama, you're like, oh, y'all are real racist. Yeah. Like, this this goes there. It, it's it's so frustrating because, like, that's the thing. It's just, like, and again, as being a black woman and, like, seeing, some, seeing Sister Crone, it's just very much like, God damn it, like, can we just, like, why did you have to make her a stereotype? Why did you have to give her stereotypical features? And, like, I like the character. It's just, like... And I like her motivations and everything. It's just like how to decide to design her in certain settings. Like when she's chasing the children, they make her hulking and big. But then she's actually small and like and like they keep transforming her when they want her to be scary and threatening and they use very stereotypical features to do so. And like you said, like that comes from anti blackness and it's just it's frustrating and I was just like why would you do this like you were so you were doing so well up until this point and it's frustrating and I mean I cringed when we watched like the moment like mm-hmm. the, when those moments happened I was like fuck because you're right sister crone is actually a good character mm-hmm. like she's a really she she shows you what happens when you can't succeed as a mama and she shows you another side to the adults that are what the adults are going through in all of this Mm -hmm. i agree but it's hard to watch it's so hard to watch because like you're right like we get to see her experience and like her and mama her and isabella had the same experience where they were chosen to become mamas and they had to go training and they had to compete but it's it's this thing of like because her and isabella couldn't work together like like, obviously, Mama used her as a pawn 
from the beginning, Mama knew she was going to use her as a pawn. And then Crone, like, Crone was trying to use the children as a pawn to, like, out Isabella. And I think, again, this is just showing that because adults can't work together. The point is, like, because the adults couldn't come together, that's why they didn't succeed. But it's this thing where, like, Sister Crone just is trying to save her own self. She was kind of, like, at the point where, like, fine, I'll help you kids. I'll give you information. I'll side with you. But at the end of the day, she knew she was going, it, was, it wasn't really about the kids. She was like, fuck them kids. I'm going to become a mom. I'll turn these kids in. I'll turn Isabella in. I'll become the mom of this house. That was her goal. But she also didn't care. She was very, she was very much a chaotic neutral in some parts where she was just like, if the kids escape, oh, yeah. it's Isabella's fault. If the kids don't escape and I turn them in, I win. So she was just an opportunistic and she was trying to save herself. But like, that's kind of like the whole point with the even with the adults they're all just still children that's why they still have those tattoos they're still under the just because you're a mama or a sister does not mean you have any more freedom than those children do you're still trapped you still can't get away and you still can't escape your fate and you will meet your fate one way or another and that's what we like you said we see sister crone meet her fate and i'm kind of like damn but at least she went out fighting (laughs) but uh oh yeah i mean like that was the heartbreaking scene and like seeing her flashbacks yeah her flashbacks were hard Mm -hmm. they were they were hard to watch very because it's just again i like them i like seeing the flashbacks of the adults because you really do get a, a you see how they got to where they are now and like exactly my question to you then is like do you how do you feel about mama now that you just like see that she was just a child like emma who took a chance at survival who chose survival it's hard because then you end up in those situations where it's like you're perpetuating like she's just perpetuating a cycle of violence because she Mm -hmm. needs to survive too yep and so it turns it into this like gray area Mm mm-hmm it turns it into this gray area where you can't just be okay mama is evil and awful it's like mama is evil and awful for a reason yeah this is a this is a cycle whenever (laughs) you add the reason yes um and it and it's hard because then it's like do i get angry at the person who's trying to survive the cycle or Mm -hmm. do we try to or or do we sympathize for the person who is pushed into the cycle as the only as the only option right because Mama did it all alone. Mm-hmm. She didn't have a Norman in a raid to try and escape with. Right. She lost her and... Norman. Yeah. So, God. And that's true. Like, I would love to see how Mama found out. I think, I, I feel like the kids knew. I feel like yeah. she knew when her friend went away that she knew. But it's also just like, when you see her flashbacks and you see that she ha- she ch- she chose not to go away. Or not to escape. And I was kind of just like, damn. I think if she had friends that she trusted to go with her, I think she would have left. But she didn't. Yeah. So, oh, it's just so gut And it really just shows you what happens with circumstances, Mm -hmm. really. Oh, yeah. That is true. Because nothing... If nothing happens, or if nobody... 
what do you call it? Um, breaks the cycle or breaks. Um... Yeah. Well, no. If if Emma doesn't have anybody with her, uh-huh. if Norm, if Emma goes there alone, if she isn't with Norman, then what happens? If nobody believes her, what happens? If nobody mm. believes them, what happens? Right. It's very easy that they could have just repeated what happened with with Mama. You know what? That's a great point. I like that. Because maybe, and like, that's probably the whole reason why Ray knew he had to show them. Because they probably, yeah. he would have had to deal with them not believing them for who knows how long. But, uh, it's a lot. But anyways, okay, so the round, to finish this up, let's talk about, we've mentioned before on the show about the live action. And that it, it is coming, and it's being produced by... I don't know who's being produced by at this point. It could change by now. But it's, it was announced last year, and it's, and it's coming, and they have pictures of him. The casting looks great. I'm not too thrilled about the kids being aged up to 16 because that kind of, to our point, what we said earlier, it takes away the challenge. It takes away everything. Uh-huh. Everything. Uh, it takes away everything. It takes away, like, the thrill, the chase, like, all of it. Because a 16-year-old could totally, a group of 16-year-olds could totally overcome or overpower a grown woman easily. Oh, yeah. Easily. It, which also makes me worried because, like, what are they going to do? Are they going to make her, like, superhuman or something? Probably. Like, get away with it? Probably. I think they'll make her superhuman or they'll change some things up. I guess, I, we'll see. I'm excited to still see it mainly because I want to see the demons, see how those are animated in it. Um, I still would like to hold out hope for the day that maybe Guillermo del Toro sees this and he decides that he wants to make it because could you imagine? I think that would be the best thing ever. It would be amazing. It would be so good. Yep. I wish. It would be really good. I really wish we could have that. But there's that. And the other news about Sister Crone in the movie is that she's been casted as a Japanese woman. And her name is still Sister Crone. And they gave her a curly afro. I was, I would have been fine if they just didn't give her the afro. I I would have, I honestly would have been okay. But like also from other live actions we've seen, there are black actors in Japan who speak Japanese, who can act. Yeah. So. Exactly. (sighs) <sighs> but like also the steals also show children of color too there's children who are brown and black in there yeah. so oh sorry go ahead you were gonna say something and yeah and i think i will no, i was gonna say because like i think like what it comes down to is like i really think that this is a full metal alchemist case mm-hmm. where like they were like oh we're gonna do an all japanese cast and we're gonna ignore the fact that the main thing of this is that there are children from everywhere mm-hmm. of every race and ethnicity that are there in fact, the majority of everything is a Western style. Like it, it's like Full Metal Alchemist, where it's not—it's not Japanese. It's created by Japanese people, right? But these are not Japanese characters, and so it's where you hit that. It's weird because when you look at the, when you look at conversations over whitewashing, right? It's like, oh, we're making these characters white. Whereas if you look at source material, it's like, no, these characters were literally written to be European. Or we're written to be black, or we're written to be, um, uh, we're written to be specifically Japanese, or a different type of like Asian character, like, and 
you get it's weird because the creator for Monogamous was pissed that they didn't do a white actress. Right. Um, because he was like, I literally based this on World War Two, mm-hmm. like that. I this is a Western story, mm-hmm. um, and so you get into this thing, and then you also get into like you said, the stills show kids who like are different ethnicities. It looks right. Like. like, why can you not just cast a black woman to be Sister Crone or change the character entirely? Right. I mean, like, I would have. I just would have preferred changing the character entirely. But then, like, to the point, there are there are children who are different ethnicities, different colors, who are there. So what was the purpose? Yeah. But, like, again, I just can't help but feel like, again, it's just anti-blackness. Where, like, did yeah, you... Yeah, that's what it has to be. Right? Did y'all feel like... Because Crone has a significant part in the first season. So do y'all feel like people would not be interested in seeing the movie if you had a black woman in this role as long? And I'm just like, I'm sorry. Like, if you're going to keep the character Sister Crone, rewrite, rewrite the character or, you know what, just don't give her the curly afro. I think that's what bothers me the most yeah. is that you keep the features. You keep these features yeah. and now it's just like, ugh. It's just frustrating. Exactly. Because it's like, because it, you're when they do that, they're literally saying we want to put black features and i put this in quotation marks black features Mm -hmm. but we don't want an actual black actress right and that's 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 fucked it is fucked i mean like yeah maybe i would have had a problem maybe i mean like and again sister crone is a problematic character but she's not problematic the way she's like her herself is not problematic it's how they treat her and how they illustrate her that makes me that it makes it problematic but I don't know. It's a good character. I mean, it's a good character that I wish they would have like you know kept a black woman in there, and I would it would have been interesting to like see like I think it's very much like the Full Metal Alchemist argument where it's like it probably would have been better to cast some like some if not all of them like the European cast that the creator wanted them to because it kind of takes away a really big part of the series, and that's why. That it's yeah. based in European culture, like a fictional European land. Um, yeah. I mean, like, and I'm the first to usually say, like, oh, yeah, an anime adaptation. Yeah, it totally makes sense that they made the, the cast all Japanese. But I'm like, you, yeah. the characters that are explicitly, bl- explicitly black, I don't see why you could not have made them black. I think that's exactly. that's probably that's probably where I'm getting at. It's like if, when a character is explicitly this, because I feel like, we said this before in Full Metal Alchemist. The reason why I wasn't so much bothered by it is because they're in a fictional European place yeah. and he has blonde hair. We don't he I don't we don't need to get into the argument if he's Swedish or German. We just know it's a fictional <laughs> European place. But it's like we know Roy Mu- <laughs> Right, we just know Roy Mustang definitely is presenting as Japanese, but the boys are presenting as some European person, like, ethnicity. But when they're specifically black and brown, I want the actors to be black and brown. Like, I feel like there's no wiggle room around it. I wonder that's why... Scar wasn't in the live action, right? Nah. If Scar was in the live action, we would have talked about him. But yeah, no. So Scar wasn't in the live action, and I wonder if they did that because they didn't want to cast a brown actor. You know what? 
I'm going to. That has to be why they did it. I think that's it because you know what? The Ishbalans play were a very significant part in the series, and Scar is 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 balling, and they made very quick they, that scene where you see the Ishbalans get sacrificed. They didn't even mention the fact like, hey, those millions of souls that made that first philosopher stone were brown people. This is exactly why they didn't put him in there. I mean, this is just me. I mean. It's also the reason why they tanned the guy who played Chad in Bleach. Yes, it is. And again, y'all could have, they could have done better. I'm sorry. You didn't have to darken that man's skin. I'm, I'm just, I'm very confident that they could have found somebody who either fit his ethnicity or you could have just gotten somebody who was Latinx. Like, specifically, because Chad's specifically from Mexico, right? His grandfather's from Mexico. Mm-hmm. Then, I'm yeah. sorry. He could have been an exchange student. Y'all rewrite any other things. You could have found a Mexican actor. Yes. There's a whole bunch of them. There is a bunch of them. There's no excuse. Yeah. So. Again, I don't know. I don't, like, I don't know the demographics of Japan. I don't know how diverse the culture is itself. But I've, I'm just kind of like... It's a film, and people want to be in films. I feel like you can find one actor to fill these roles. I follow... Like, not one actor for all No. Films. You can find one actor right. to fill your project that is brown or black. We're gonna watch it one day, but, like, we definitely... I think someone showed it to us. Like, there's, like, some series, like, anime series, where, like, there's a black girl who's at the high school. She's on a student... She's on a student yeah, council. It, yeah. And they, yeah. they made a live action, and, oh, my God, they cast a black girl to be on the student council. Who would have thought? I also follow a lot of black women who live in Japan and they speak Japanese and some of them are actresses. They, they they are there. I think it has to be more diverse than what people think it is. I just feel like. Well, Carol and Tuesday. Oh, right. They're just like they live, work in Japan. They speak Japanese. Mm hmm. They're there. They're there. We're there. They just, I don't know. I just, I want to. It's frustrating. It is very frustrating. But this is going on way longer than we said. It, it will be. Before. We knew what, we knew this was going to happen. But I think, I think we're done. I think I've, I've gone into, I've gone to like every rabbit hole I wanted to on this show that I can <laughs> without trying to recap the last 200 and something chapters of the manga. Um, <laughs> so yeah that's yeah that's it i think we can close this out i mean like we don't really rate the anime that we watch like we do with the movies but Mm-mm. i mean it's good go watch it y'all i think y'all would enjoy it it's great storytelling and i think it's just something new as far as like there is not an anime like this i mean attack on yeah. titan but if you want to attack on titan but like with kids and they don't have superpowers go watch promise neverland that's a that's a good uh, a good com- uh, comparison. Mm-hmm. It's true, and it fits my brand. But uh. <laughs> it does. <laughs> With that, um, you want to tell them where they can find us? Uh, yeah, you everybody who is listening, you can find us at dyht underscore pod, and you can. Uh, oh, sorry. You can cut that okay. out. You can find us at dyht underscore pod on Twitter, and you can find me at Randier on Twitter as well. 
And you can also find me on Twitter at LA underscore NEY underscore SHA. And yeah, come talk with us. Tell us about what y'all are watching during quarantine. Also, I mean, if anybody's playing Animal Crossing and y'all have done cosplays, that's something that I would like people to share with us. Because me and Kate have been doing a few of them. Ooh, yes. So, like, send us your Animal Crossing cosplays. Like, this stuff, like, it's... it's that would be amazing. Right, we need to do more of ours. I have a lot, we have a lot more ideas. So, um... Oh, yes. Uh, without further ado... What am I going to make Kate watch now that she's watched The Promised Neverland? Maybe I can get her to watch One Piece. And who fucked Shishomaru? Find out next time (laughs) on Did You Have To. Bye. Did You Have To is co-produced by Kate Sanchez and Lanisha Campbell. Our intro is done by Dr. Emery Stephen Daniel. And our outro and intro music is by Benjamin Tassat, a.k.a. Ben Sonny.